Good morning, Transformation Radio listeners. We've got some music to get your day started, some scripture to fill your mind with, and some things for you to think on. Hey, let's get started with You Alone by Anthony Evans.
and this is White Flag by Chris Tomlin.
And now it's time for our reading in the New Testament. And our narrative today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 37. We'll read through to chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to be reading about in Scripture here today to shed a little light of understanding on it, perhaps. The hand-washing ceremony was done not for health reasons, but as a symbol of washing away any contamination from touching anything unclean. Well, not only did the Pharisees make a public show of their washing, but they also commanded everyone else to follow a practice originally intended only for the priests. The Pharisees loved to think of themselves as clean, but their stinginess toward God and the poor proved that they were not as clean as they thought. Rationalizing, not helping others, is easy because we've already given to the church. But a person who follows Jesus should share with needy neighbors. While tithing is important to the life of the church, our compassion must not stop there. Where we can help, we should help. All right, let's read all about it now, here in the New Testament. April 6th, the New Testament, Luke chapter 11, verse 37, through chapter 12, verse 7. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you? For you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you just said. Yes, Jesus said. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law, for you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. What sorrow awaits you? For you build monuments for the prophets your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witnesses who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you join in their crime by building the monuments. This is what God in His wisdom said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. As a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world, from the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will certainly be charged against this generation." What sorrow awaits you experts in religious law? For you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, 
and you prevent others from entering. As Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees became hostile and tried to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, He's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And here's our devotion for the day. Don't be discouraged at the spiritual war you are called to fight every day. The Lord Almighty is with you and wars on your behalf. Between the already and the not yet, life is war. It can be exhausting, frustrating, and discouraging. We all go through moments when we wish life could just be easier. We wonder why parenting has to be such a continual spiritual battle. We all wish our marriages could be free of war. We would all love it if there were no conflicts at our jobs or in our churches. But we all wake up to a war-torn world every day. It is a sad legacy of a world that has been broken by sin and is constantly under the attack of the enemy. The way the Apostle Paul ends his letter to the Ephesian church is interesting and instructive. Having laid out the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ and having detailed their implications for our street-level living, he ends by talking about spiritual warfare. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. When you get to this final part of Paul's letter, it's tempting to think that he has entirely changed his subject. No longer it seems as he talked about everyday Christianity, but that's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying to the Ephesian believers, You know all that I have said about marriage, parenting, communication, anger, the church, and so on? It's all one big spiritual war. Paul is reminding you that at street level, practical daily Christianity is war. There really is moral right and wrong. There really is an enemy. 
There really is seductive and deceptive temptation. You really are spiritually vulnerable. But he says more. He reminds us that by grace you have been properly armed for the battle. The question is, will you use the implements of battle that the cross of Jesus Christ has provided for you? And we'll also read some scripture today from 1 Peter chapter 5, 6-11. that goes right along with that, that reading. And it reads as this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and and ever. Amen. We're taking this one way back to the 1980s. This is Petra, and this means war.
Psalm 78, verses 1 through 31. Let's take a look at what we're going to be reading about here today in the book of Psalms. The people of Israel rebelled and were not faithful to God. They forgot about the miracles God had done and put God to the test by making demands of Him. They lied to Him, tried to flatter Him, and continued to turn away from Him even after He did great works on their behalf. Well, God recorded these painful and shameful truths in His Word so that we today can avoid the same errors. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul used this classic story of Israel's unfaithfulness to warn the early Christians to be faithful. We'll also read here today about Ephraim. Ephraim was the most prominent tribe of Israel from the days of Moses to Saul's time. The tabernacle was set up in its territory. There is no biblical record of Ephraim's soldiers turning back from battle, so uh, this portion we're going to be reading about is probably a metaphor referring to Ephraim's uh, failure to provide strong leadership during those years. When David became king, the tribe of Judah gained prominence. And because of David's faith and obedience, God chose Jerusalem in Judah to be the place for the new temple and rejected Ephraim. Well, this caused tension between the two tribes. This psalm may have been written because of that tension in order to demonstrate once again why God chose Judah. God works through those who are faithful to Him. Psalm 78, verses 1-31, through 31, a psalm of Asaph. O oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob, He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by His instructions. They forgot what He had done, the great wonders He had shown them, the miracles He did for their ancestors on the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt. For He divided the sea and led them through, making the water stand up like walls. In the daytime He led them by a cloud, and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water, as from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet they kept on sinning against Him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God Himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, He can strike a rock so water gushes out, but He can't give His people bread and meat. When the Lord heard them, He was furious. The fire of His wrath burned against Jacob. Yes, His anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust Him to care for them. But He commanded the skies to open. 
He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released the east wind in the heavens and guided the south wind by His mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all around their tents. The people ate their fill. He gave them what they craved. But before they satisfied their craving, while the meat was yet in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and He killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 19 and 20. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. And for our final music selection today, Casting Crowns and Praise You in the Storm. down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen and it's still raining but as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am, and every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand, you never I will praise you in the storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you And raised me up again But my strength is almost gone How can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. Oh, 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 
comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 